everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the LAPS podcast, where we tell true stories gussied up. I am your host, Kyle Chest. Uh, and if you're wondering what, what does gussied up mean, well, the stories are 100% true. There are no lies told in the show. There's no fiction. But this isn't an interview, or it doesn't sound like an interview. It's more like a really good book on tape, you know, edited with music and sound effects to, to really highlight those emotional punches. And I hope that that is the impression you'll get by listening to this show. So let's just jump right into it. Our story this episode is brought to you by T.J. Kelly. She is a writer and memoirist living in North Vancouver. I cannot thank her enough for telling this. We call it The Upside of Cancer. T.J. buys this dog. A big sheep dog named Angus. He's an older soul, actually. Adopted. He was already seven. He looked like he was just really big and snuggly and already trained, and you don't have to commit to 15 years with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want that. I've grown very attached to it. TJ loves Angus, but she doesn't love being tied down. I don't do babies. <laughs> not, not at all. Tokophobia, the fear of bearing children. Seriously, they scare the hell out of her. You can tell me that the two methods I'm using together are both 99%, and I will still freak the fuck out every three and a half weeks. TJ had been living out of her van, traveling and adventuring for the better part of a year. The half-dead dog, Angus, was a way to ease the doldrums of moving back to Vancouver. To commemorate the occasion, the two get some shopping done. Turns out it's Angus's lucky day. His weight in dog food is on sale. I was so tough, living by myself, and I thought, I'm going to carry this giant bag myself. And I put it up on one shoulder with one arm around it, and I, like, he-manned it up the back steps. And I twisted with it. Something rips, tears in her chest. An icy pain shoots through her body. You know when it's so satisfying to breathe all the way in to full capacity and your, your lungs and your diaphragm move all the way up? I couldn't do that. She tries to sleep it off. People in my family don't typically go to the doctor until it's really bad. They just kind of think, oh, it'll go away. I'll just, I'll, I'll get some sleep. I'll take some echinacea. It'll be fine. TJ just moved in, so she's still sleeping on a foamy pad on the floor. Needless to say, it's not helping. And I was still trying to find a side that didn't kill me to sleep on, and I wasn't sleeping. By day two, it's really bad. She tries the futon in the living room. And this poor dog, who I'd only had for 12 hours at that point, was following me around kind of like, something's wrong, what are you doing, why are you moving? Still unable to sleep, she assesses the situation. How badly does this hurt? Pain is radiating throughout my body. My teeth are throbbing and waves are coursing throughout my torso. It felt like all of my ribs were broken and, and alternately stabbing into the center of my body. I knew it was bad when I moved into my grandma's old bedroom because there's a real bed in that room. But I didn't want to sleep in her room because she hadn't been dead that long. But it hurt so much that I just needed a real mattress with some springs. It's 5.30 a.m. She gives in. She calls her big bro. And like sister, like brother... Should I call an ambulance? How hurt is she? I don't know. I'll just drive. The waiting room is almost empty. It was just me and um, a really drunk guy across the aisle that had come in for the free IV and free food. Her brother buys her a muffin. TJ feels ill. She doesn't eat. The drunk guy shuffled over with his rolling IV to see if he could eat the rest of it. You gonna eat that? (laughs) 
relaxes a little when she meets the doctor. He's a jovial guy. He and my brother and I had all been joking around and they had been talking about the FIFA Cup. While TJ awaits her x-rays in bed, her brother ducks out to check on Angus. When the doc walks back in, he takes a seat beside her. And I asked him if he was fucking with me. No. He shows her the x-ray. Well, here's your heart. Here's this other giant thing next to it that's not supposed to be there. He whipped out his cell phone and made a long-distance call right from the side of my bed. He gives TJ's parents the news. They're four hours away all the way in Kelowna, but they're coming. Meanwhile, her dad phones her brother, who's still dealing with Angus back home. She might be freaking out. Don't freak out. (laughs) I thought I was going to die. I thought that was really unfair to come back from traveling after university. Not even have made the jump from the student lily pad to the real part of life, and just kind of to have it be over, like you're out of the pond. Really not fair. In under a week, she's got a bone marrow biopsy. They talk chemo. If that doesn't work, radiation. Kiss the long, luscious locks goodbye. Hair loss, yeah. She'd been wondering about that. But the oncologist has a question of his own. Do you want to harvest any eggs? Because you might be sterile. She can feel the anxiety in the room, from her parents and from the oncologist, but TJ's perspective... I don't do babies. <laughs> not, not at all. ...is shifting. Suddenly, cancer has a silver lining. I immediately said no. Then the oncologist said, well, great, that makes it easier. Yes! Some people ask, are you sure? Do you really want to be that reckless? But it's really the other way around. TJ doesn't have a vendetta. She doesn't hate kids. She has a fear of screwing them up. I can already tell just by having a dog, because there's some days when I'm really not into that either. He is not happy on the days when I'm not that into being an attentive dog owner, but he'll live. I mean, a kid is not just going to go sleep under the kitchen table for most of the day and leave you alone if you're not in the mood to be around them. And I'm not going to do that to somebody. She opts not to harvest her eggs, and that means she can start chemo even sooner. Meanwhile, they tell her, eat. Just make sure you eat. Anything I wanted, even if it was just a chocolate bar, even if I lost my appetite, but candy was the only thing that made me happy. Doctor's orders. She takes it to heart. Because I'd never wanted children, and I know that, I'm never going to have that chance where I have nine months to get fat and eat as much of anything that I want. I'm never going to have that free zone to just stuff my face and enjoy. The chemo was to happen in six rounds. She'd be done before Christmas. Five different drugs, four of which were IVs and one of which was a steroid pill. She begins to lose her hair. She doesn't get skinny, but the drugs, they... Put her on edge, make her jittery. Your body's tired, but you actually can't relax because you feel really high strung. I'd be twitchy, like my body would be radiating and I would not be able to sit still or concentrate on a whole movie. Still, she's young enough that after each round of chemo, she bounces back. Like I was made of rubber, which was awesome. Until the end when it was round number four, five, five, six. six. The chemo goes well, but it's not enough. Radiation treatment begins after Christmas. The oncologist instructs her to lie down. She'll need to be very still because they'll be blasting her with huge amounts of radiation and the shots need to be precise. They lower this plastic mask onto her face. Like a Jason mask, except it goes around your head and and down your shoulders and they bolt you in to hold you down on the table so that you don't flinch. 
it's tight enough that it leaves a little kind of like mark on my face and it squishes my nose rings into my nose. TJ needs to be still, but the machine makes her anxious. I don't like loud noises, especially if I know that they're coming. I don't like it. It's a really loud click and then a humming. Focused beams of radiation are shot just at the spot where the tumor is. And then it clicks off. And then the whole machine moves around you. So you have to listen to it move and click and buzz five times in an orbit. Every day, five shots a day, five days a week for a month. I'm trying to not have my feet twitch or flinch when I know that the noise is coming. Amazingly, the side effects are few. She's tired, yeah, overheated, sore, but she doesn't get sick. She doesn't blister. Even her hair starts to come back. I was really, really lucky for that month. And now, she waits. So many checkups. Months of waiting. Pet scan after pet scan. Because radiation scarring can glow for a long time. Is that whole glow going to fade? It shrank from a baseball to the size of a pea. Is it going to keep shrinking? Is it going to go away? What's it going to do? Eventually, the glow fades. The oncologist has a look. It looks like it's calcifying and hardening like a bone. So it's gone. TJ rejoins the real world and heads back to work. Just one question lingers in her mind. How careful does she still have to be? Because I don't want to be a parent. It's possible that she's sterile, and that's what she wants. There's no way to know with absolute certainty, short of getting pregnant. Can't there just be something permanent so I can stop panicking every three and a half weeks? Step right up, step right up. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce the finest in tubal ligation, sterilization, emancipation? Tie those tubes. Set your mind at ease. For a young, healthy girl, it's going to be really hard. They're not going to let you do that. Special offer. Look death in the eye. Yeah. You can apply. Well, I had to explain the moment of sitting in the oncologist's office and being like, I'm going to be sterile? Yes! TJ's doctor has known her since she was a kid. She knows this isn't a new development. You must really not want children. No, she does not. Nope. The doc is soft, but assertive. I'm not here to change your mind. I just want to make sure you know what you're doing. TJ tells her, look. This is a good time. My body's back looking and feeling the way I like it to be. I might as well be able to use it completely guilt-free with no panic while I'm young, and it's awesome. If I really wanted kids, I probably wouldn't panic that much every time. The doc considers this, then writes TJ a letter of referral. She's got two options. She can have the whole works removed, or if she wants a chance to reverse the process, can have them lasered apart. Dad told me not to totally, 100% ever burn a bridge, and I picked the one that would give me a 50-50 shot if I ever changed my mind. When she breaks the news, she gets the usual questions that she's... Fucking bored of answering. Why would you do Are that? Are you sure? How come you don't want kids? It's an awkward talk with Mom and Dad, but they're okay. DJs thought this out. And the truth is, they've got a pretty big family already. So, TJ gets the surgery. She's supposed to take it easy for a couple weeks. Sometimes in rare cases, even though they laser the tubes apart, the tubes will heal. So you could still technically get pregnant. So being told that you've gone as far as you can go, you've had this surgery, you've had part of yourself burnt apart so you can avoid the fate of parenthood. And still, it might not be 100%. It was just, it's always just a crapshoot. It's still a crapshoot. It's the day before Father's Day. 
The whole family gets together for a combination dinner and reunion. Nieces, nephews, lots of family togetherness. He just pocket buzzes. It's her middle brother. He won't be there till the next day. He speaks up over the noise. Are you coming to dinner tomorrow at, at Sean's house? Sean's their other brother. Yeah, I will if I feel better. Why wouldn't you? What? She still hadn't told him. No, I had surgery on Friday. For what? I had my tubes tied. There's a brief silence. Why would you do that? Oh, it's just something I wanted to do. Her brother clears his throat. Well, he says. You have to keep this to yourself, and I know they're in the room with you. Can you control your facial reactions and your voice and just don't give it away because I'm not going to tell Dad until tomorrow at dinner. TJ ducks into the kitchen. What, she says. What's the matter? Their little exchange begins to sink in. I knew that he wanted kids, and I think he vaguely knew that I didn't. DJ is about to be an aunt, but she'll never be making her brother an uncle. This is a bizarre conversation that we're having. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. The next day, her middle brother joins them. We were all giving my dad Father's Day presents, and the grandkids were handing him gifts. When it comes turn for her brother, he simply pats his girlfriend's stomach. Your Father's Day gift is in here. (laughs) He was stoked. Everybody was pretty excited and pretty, like, shocked, but good surprise. Good reactions. As for TJ? I get to be an aunt three times to girls and boys, so I'm covered. I'm fine. I'm not actually responsible. They're not actually mine. I can buy them presents. I can babysit when I need to, which gives me all the experience of trying to put them to bed on time or flossing tiny teeth. Wait, what is it about flossing tiny teeth? I don't like spit. And her mouth is very tiny. She just couldn't floss her own back teeth, and my brother always helps her do it. So I had to try and get my big hands in there to try and floss her little teeth, and I just couldn't. You know, it's just one of those moments when you're just being asked to do something that is just, it's not your problem. I half-assed and I flossed the front ones. (laughs) And then it was bedtime. TJ might not make a great mom, but she makes a pretty wicked aunt. I have never, never felt that urge really to see how my genes are going to turn out or, or what they're going to look like mixed with somebody else's. Or I can't 24-7 commit to something for 20 years. And that might sound really selfish, and it probably is, but... I want my whole life to just be up to me. I wouldn't be very good at sacrificing a lot of me for a little person. I get that it's worth it, but it's not for everybody. That story again was told by TJ Kelly. If you like that story, we'll have more just like that every two weeks. Please like the Laugh Storytelling Podcast on Facebook. Check out thelaps.org. You'll find regular updates on the site. You'll see a new podcast every two weeks. And if you've got a story to submit, and trust me, you do, everyone listening to this podcast has a story to tell. Please 
email stories at thelaps.org. There's submission details on the site. If you're not sure how to phrase the story, talk to me. We'll figure it out, and I will make you sound good. I promise that. And I know I just asked a whole lot of you, but it is my birthday. So if you don't mind leaving a review on iTunes, it'll take you just a couple minutes, and it'll greatly help the visibility of this show. I'm just one guy, and I'd love it if you did. Until next time, this was The Lapse.